All right, we are back. Um, Torn and I are back together and we are going to talk about a topic. Um, and of course, what we're trying to do is shift the narrative around everything autism. Uh, we're trying to, uh, what do I want to say, Torn? We're trying to like, what's that phrase where um, it's not, is it squash the myths or it's not even about myths. Just I, think it, I think it's squash the myth. Squash the myth. Yeah. So we You're are saying just trying squash to the myth. <laughs> we we want to talk about things that um don't necessarily, it's not like this is our opinion and you have to, to go with it. Just having discussions so that you can start shifting your perspective, which of course, when you shift your perspective, then you shift your narrative. And so if we're all shifting the narrative around autism in a more positive light. Um, with more accurate information, then um, that just makes it better for autistic individuals in the community and for, for everyone, of course, because we're all supposed to be working together. What are your thoughts on, on shifting the narrative, Torin? Well, first, I'd like to apologize for the weird sort of lighting and the audio. I'm currently in a cave in Afghanistan hiding from the Taliban. <laughs> on a serious note, Today, we want to discuss whether or not you should tell your child they've been diagnosed with autism mm -hmm. or diagnosed as autistic. Mm -hmm. And I have some thoughts, but I feel like this is definitely going to be more of a conversational episode mm -hmm. because I don't have a concrete answer because I don't think personally, I don't think there is a concrete like one size fits all solution. But mm -hmm. I'm curious to see what you have to say about this first. You know, it's a question that I get um, often from parents, you know, should I tell my child? Should I not tell my child? Um, and of course, every parent has a different experience. Uh, every family has a different cultural expectation. And so for some families, just even saying, you know, autism out loud for themselves is difficult, let alone letting a child um, know that that is something that they um identify with. And my perspective is based on what I see in children. So when I think of the students that come to me at age five, six, uh, embracing their autistic selves and saying out loud, I am autistic and their siblings, you know, say, oh, this is my brother. I'm picking him up, you know, at the bus stop because I'm helping whatever, you know, my brother's autistic. I think that what I see is um, children who, who don't feel any shame with the identity of being an autistic individual as they go through their younger years in elementary school, right? And um, my, my personal uh, opinion is when, when we identify as whatever it is that we identify with as individuals, when we're okay with it, then everyone else is okay with it. And yes, of course, there are people who will who will not be okay with it, but those people will be pushed out of our circle, right? They won't even join our circle. Um, so that's not something that you know we need to worry about. But um, you know, I think that the kiddos that I see who, you know, whether they do it in a humorous way, like you know, I can't do my math because I'm autistic, right? Or <laughs> they they do it in a way just to you know explain to people. I, I had a really funny student who would literally walk up to people and say, "Hi, my name is Walker. I'm autistic, and I have a sister who was adopted from China, and she was born without a hole in her butt." <laughs> like 
Walker, nobody wants to know all that on the first intro. <laughs> like, like, like your name is enough, right? But, but his mom was just this person who lived life open and with joy and communicated openly with her kids. And, 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 and you know, we're friends now and we both do the same with our children, but it was, it was just his normal, right? It wasn't anything that was, uh, I don't know, for back, lack of a better term, special. Now, I, I, I think that, like you said in the, in the beginning, in terms of every child is different, every family is different, and every circumstance is different. And I think it really just depends on where the kiddos are in their age and their, uh, you know, sort of uh, communication with their parents, not how they communicate, but just their dynamic and relationship with their parents as to when parents tell. Um, and and I'll, I'll pause for a minute and, and give you a chance, uh, Torin. And, but in terms of older kiddos that have not been told that um, do not know that the reason they do this or this is because of sensory processing or that they uh, you know, have a diagnosis of autism, those are kids that I've seen um, really, really just feel bad about themselves because they don't know why. They know they're different. They don't know why. And then when they do find out, then the dynamic and the relationship between the family becomes very, very um, uh, not so nice because they feel like their parents were ashamed of them or why didn't you tell me, you know, I've struggled. And if I would have just known, you know, so then you have a whole nother dynamic that I always feel like could be avoided. Um, but I do understand, of course, you know, I respect the fact that everyone's different, right. In terms of what they communicate in general with their kids, because there's a lot of cultures and families. I grew up in a family where everything was a secret, like even simple things like, you know, someone's in the hospital, like it's a secret, right. Um, when it's not anything really relevant to keep as a secret. So that's my perspective in the beginning of this discussion. What you got? Oh, uh, this is, I really want to do this topic when suggested it last week, but <laughs> it's such a tough topic. There's so many different varying factors. Mm -hmm. So... I'm trying to think of even where to start. First would be, I think a general rule is there's a moment where you don't want to tell them too early mm -hmm. because I don't want their entire identity to be wrapped around the fact they're autistic. Mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't think that's a good thing for a kid to think they're different. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you can't wait too long for exactly the reason you mentioned because mm -hmm. then when they start having real stress around adolescence, when they start having real struggles and they start developing differently, mm -hmm. both like uh, mentally, personality, and sometimes physically. And kids can be cruel and teenagers can be really cruel and they start feeling like they have a horn growing out of their head and they don't know why. Mm -hmm. I think that's too late. So maybe sometime in between, I don't know, just throwing a number out there between probably the ages of like eight and like 13. But there's so many other factors. How does the parent approach this? Is it like, hey, little Johnny, I just want you to know you're autistic. That's the reason you can't do X, Y, and Z. Well, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. Because now you're basically saying up there's something wrong with them and you're instilling on them from a young age there's something wrong with them. If you do tell mm -hmm. the kid, it has to be from a positive place mm -hmm. that they are different, but at the same time, they're unique. Mm -hmm. 
and that they have special talents and abilities that need to be fostered, not just told, but they need to be fostered. But man, it's just just so tough because it really depends. But I'd say number one has to be approach from a place of positivity. Mm -hmm. And and I think that that your point of it depends, and, and I will say based on my experience as an educator and a parent coach, it really does depend on the parent's perspective. I mean, it's really about, and, and I think that's, you know, I know we're talking about, you know, autism specific, but I think that gravitates to everything. If you are a, um, a, a, a dad, let's say, who is, um, you know, you're a single dad because your, your spouse passed away. There's no shame in that, right? There shouldn't be any shame in that. And so how the dad presents himself as this, you know, nuance of a single dad, which now we're seeing that, of course, more common, but, you know, that was something that you didn't see very often. I feel attacked. It makes <laughs> it makes a difference. And so I think for me, and, and you said something that I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a great conversation I want to get into without getting too much off topic. But I, I thought it was really interesting that you said that children should not want to feel that they're different. And I have such a different perspective on that. And I think that it is, I think everything comes from how our parents sort of like um, navigate the world themselves and how we see things through our parents when we're little. I am one of those that grew up, I am not an autistic individual, um, just to make that clear to those who may be listening for the first time, uh, but I've always been sort of the duck going in the other direction, right? And um, always sort of was that different um, person in the neighborhood or the classroom. And I loved it, right? I absolutely loved it. And I remember when I had my children, Um, I just remember thinking to myself out of all the things I thought about, I didn't think about, you know, what are they going to do when they grow up or, oh my gosh, I can't wait to the wedding or graduation. All I thought was, I want my children to grow up and, and be kind to others, but I also want them to be a little different. Like, like I didn't want to have that conforming, right. And cause I'm such a um, anti-conformist, but not really an anti-conformist, but kind of an anti-conformist, <laughs> according to my mother. So I think um, for, for me, and, and like I said, I'm going to bring this back to autism, but for me, I was always the duck going in the other direction, and I didn't really care. My dad was okay with that as well, but my mother was not. So I was able to pull through it because I had a parent who was like, oh, you know, she's just different. Just that's just who she is. Um, And my mother is very much wonderful person. She's very, you know, conformist and wanting to be part of the group and and to sort of do all that. So um, I have such a, um, a different perspective on on being different. And I've had these conversations with my families who. Um, live in cultures that are very conforming, right? It's expected that everyone do this and everyone do this and everyone do this. And um, it's hard for them to sort of embrace that their child may do something differently, maybe like this, but maybe this way um, or over here. And so, uh, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I think that that is interesting. I think what worries me is we talk about being different and being nonconformist, and, and that is good. But it's hard being a child who's nonconformist when you're nine years old and you struggle to tie your shoes because mm-hmm. you have motor skill issues. And sometimes when you become stressed, you become nonverbal. 
and you're in fourth grade, but your math skills are at a kindergarten level. Then suddenly, suddenly that non-conformance becomes an it becomes an issue because you're not meeting society's bullshit arbitrary standards. Yes. No one is like, it's cool being a non-conformist when you can still meet those standards. Mm -hmm. Then you can you can you can you can be a golf kid or something like that. No offense against golf kids. You can be a golf kid. You can be different <laughs> as long as you're checking the boxes. But if you're not checking the boxes, and many autistic people struggle to check the boxes, the mm -hmm. boxes being the bullshit arbitrary standards that society puts up at different yes. stages of our life, such as being able to tie your shoe when you're nine, mm -hmm. yes. for example, when you can just wear sandals or things with Velcro on it. But they said by time you're nine, you better be able to tie your shoes. Just using that as an example. If you don't meet those bullshit arbitrary standards, it becomes hard to be a nonconformist then. And many since many autistic people don't, telling them telling a child too early they're autistic and the autism is the reason they're not meeting these bullshit arbitrary standards, that might not set up a good mindset. Yes. Because and society is very sorry, society is very cruel to people who mm -hmm. don't meet those bullshit arbitrary standards. Yes. And, and exactly what you just said is the reason Torin and I are having these discussions, because the autistic perspective is very important to me, right? And so I have my perspective as a non-autistic individual. And, and that was just exactly what I love about our conversations, Torin, and why we're doing this on a regular basis and sharing with others. Um, and I will say that is a very valid point. It's, it's, um, uh, it reminds me of uh, the rich kids who would, you know, live homeless for a week uh, and, and make it seem like it was a big deal. And I'm like, ah, but you can go home, right? So are you really living as a homeless person when you're going to be able to go home for a week? Totally, totally valid point. And I think, um, I think from, from my perspective on, I just go back to it's the parents and how they walk through their day with their kiddos and with the diagnosis that just makes a difference. And the other thing is you are correct. Um, when you are different, when you non-conform, when you don't meet those check boxes that everyone's expecting, um, life can be very cruel. And, and I mean, I, you know, have, you know, bully stories and, and horrible things that kids did to me. Um, but uh, it, it, I think that when parents prepare their children, and I think that's, I go back to, when you prepare your children for the world is not always nice. So you have to prepare them for that. And I think that sometimes parents forget that everyone's not going to be kind. Like, you know, you can't expect that the world is going to be kind. So you have to prepare your children for life. And that means when it comes to a child who has a different way of communicating or a child who, who socializes in what people perceive as different or incorrect then we have to prepare them for what someone might say. And that also goes back to, we need to educate other children. We have got to stop walking through the school hallways, keeping autism a secret to be ashamed of. And, and the other children want to know why Bobby's spinning. And when you tell them, oh, Bobby's spinning, you read one of those wonderful books that someone has. I mean, there are wonderful books that you can read. Do you, do you tell them that? They're like, can I spin too? Well, no, 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 no. We, we, but we, we need you to sit your ass in a chair and continue to listen to the boring <laughs> lesson. 
that's what happens. I don't mean to cut you off. That's what yeah. happens when you explain why Bobby Spain. They want to do it too. And then you gotta to explain to them why he gets to do it while they have to sit bored out of their skulls. I, I will say, Torin, and I've said in IEP meetings, and I have said this with all honesty, I have never provided an accommodation, a fidget, a sensory activity for an autistic student, and other students said. Can I do that too? It happened to me all the that. time. Oh, I was gosh. in youth development every, like literally every time I provided a fidget. Can I get a fidget? Can I get a fidget? Can I get a fidget? So now the whole class is fidgets. <laughs> Except some kids can actually pay attention with those things. Most of them can't. Yeah. So I'm like, yes. so I have to explain. I have to then explain that to a bunch of six and seven year olds why mm -hmm. some kids get to play with, with fidget while, yeah. while the rest of y'all just got to sit and pay attention. Yes, yes. I have a, um, a mom who um, has this beautiful little boy and she, every school year, she goes at the beginning of the school year and midway and she does a, what is autism talk? She reads a story to the kids in his class. She talks about, you know, Dom and how he communicates differently. And I have been working in special education for 35 plus years. And I will tell you from autism to a medical condition to a non-ambulatory, whatever it is, once the other children understand the why, and it doesn't have to be a complex answer, they are I fine. I totally agree with that. When you have a child that comes to school with no arms, the other children want to know why they don't have any arms. And all you have to say is they were just born that way. And you move on and the kids really do move on. The adults are the ones that make it into such a big deal, um, which is why we're talking about, you know, how some parents feel shame around not only embracing the diagnosis, but also sharing that with their child because they don't want their child to feel bad about themselves. And I'll go back to it's how the parents perceive, present, accept and appreciate um, and communicate about autism to themselves, their child and their family and friends, that makes a huge difference. Um, it just makes a huge difference. And how the school does it too. Those, I had, I, so I was in uh, special ed from preschool through 12th grade. And I went to multiple different schools, just I was always in, in, in special education. In high school, I met a guy who... He had been diagnosed earlier than me. I believe he had been diagnosed in his five. And his entire life, we were seniors in high school. We were both 18. His entire life, since he was five years old, because his parents had told him when his mom had told him when he was five, mm -hmm. had been shaped by knowing he was autistic. And everything wrong with his life, and there were a lot of things wrong, mm -hmm. were because of the autism. Mm -hmm. And... He blamed it for everything. All mm -hmm. of his failings, he blamed it on. Yeah. His brother, his older brother, the mom had told the older brother, and the older brother basically bullied him his entire life mm -hmm. because he was. Mm -hmm. And he went to a school where they basically wanted to put kids in bubble wrap because mm -hmm. they were convinced that they ever attempted anything at all to assert their independence at all. Yeah. Like the world would burn down or something. Mm -hmm. So between all of that, he developed a complex that he was broken. Got it. And that nothing was his fault. Mm -hmm. A very victim mindset. Nothing was his fault. The rest of the world was the problem. Mm -hmm. And he was fine. This man was, for example, this man was incredibly racist. 
<laughs> Incredible, like KKK level racist. The stuff mm-hmm. he said to me, I once punched him in the face because yeah. he said some very disparaging remarks about black people. Yeah. This is not an individual who this is an individual who sort of has a lot of, who had a lot of issues mm-hmm. and blamed everybody else because of course, of obviously course. the autism wasn't the only reason. Yes. Because they told him so early and then they didn't support him. They treated yeah. him like a broken thing his entire exactly. life. He became a broken thing. Yes. Yeah. And it's that's a, I'm sorry, sorry, go ahead. It's about, like you said, it's about how parents and teachers mm-hmm reinforce it my dad once this is a this is a funny story that i thought of that that when you were talking about that my dad once when, when i was a kid i i got bullied a lot mm-hmm. a whole lot and at one point i was complaining about that to my dad and he says why don't you just go right up to the bully and ask him hey why are you bullying me don't ever do this to your kids just so you know <laughs> Because I went the next day, I went up to that bully and I asked him, hey, why do you enjoy bullying me? And this little dude looked me dead in the eyes and said, because it's fun. There you go. And I had nothing to say. I went quiet. I was like, because my dad told me they wouldn't be able to respond. They wouldn't know why. They just did it. it." And turns out he knew exactly why, because it was fun to make fun of me. Yeah. Yep. You have to prepare your kids. Mm -hmm. When you tell them they're autistic, and at certain point, you will need to tell them. At, there will be a rubber meets the road moment. Yes. You do have to tell them. Whenever you tell them, you have to then support them and teach them how to handle mm-hmm. how society views them. Society will view them as different. They will view them as disabled. Mm-hmm. It's messed up, but it's, it, it's just fact. You, that has to, and that's a constant process. It's not just set the timer and go. Yeah. Yep. And, and I think it's, you know, the reason we're doing... Um, doing this podcast and having these discussions is because we're trying to shift the narrative so that it's not going to be so difficult, right? But that takes time. Um, (laughs) More people need to listen, right? But we're having these discussions because um, it is important for for children to know um, that they're autistic so that they can learn to advocate for themselves and understand their needs um, and learn how to ask for their supports as they grow older. And it's also our responsibility as, um, uh, you know, uh, non-autistic individuals or neurotypical individuals to understand and, and, and not make it so difficult based on our own biased views of what we think the checkbox should have, uh, which, uh, you know, I mean, personally, I've just never understood that, but that's my, you know, Stacy's world way of thinking and there are a lot of things I never understood and questioned because I just don't think that people are the same and they should be the same and, and conforming has never been my thing. But I will, I will add um, a really quick personal note in terms of my kids did uh, end up being different and they love it and I love it. And we, we say we're just this, we call ourselves uh, the weird family because we always do these things and my sons are like mom like oh my gosh we're so weird I'm like I know isn't it great he's like yeah but they are you know my son was this you know tall black male um, going to school and he was fine with like bringing his pink bag or his uh, bunny rabbit for something. He was he was fine being who he was and, and whatever it is that he wanted to do and choose to do, he did. And um, 
And that's what I wanted for them, right? It's not so much they have to stand out. It's that I want them to be who they are and be proud of that. And, and it's okay if other people don't understand it. And it's okay if other people don't get it because, you know, different, different perspectives make the world go round. I don't want to have discussions with everybody thinking the same thing. I mean, it just sounds so boring to me. Like, like my brain synapses need a little bit more than that. <laughs> just, no, it, it, exactly. And I think I do think, like I said, I do think it's important, but like everything, there's the balance because you don't mm -hmm. want to be so different that you can teach your kids all the coping skills they want. If every member of that kid's class, for example, is ganging up on him, yeah, that's a, the, the no amount of coping skills in the world is going to do that. Mm -hmm. In that situation, that you don't have a lot of options. Yeah. And at a certain point, point, and I know I'm repeating myself because, like I said, I don't have any good answers. Mm -hmm. I, I wish I did, but I don't. There, there just needs to be a balance, and I, I, I just don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. It really depends on the individual. If, yeah. if a child is happy and not really being bullied and is generally doing okay in school and all that stuff, does he immediately need to be told he's autistic if things are going well? If things aren't going great, if he feels different, if everyone's calling him different and maybe he's having issues in school in some aspect, be it academic or social, and it's clear that the differences are because of the autism mm -hmm. or something related to, to the autism, then maybe that's a time you need to sit him down and have a discussion. It, it so varies on the individual. It does, but yes. I, I, do, I do have a question, though, mm -hmm. uh, Stacey. In your experience, have you ever seen parents who don't want to tell their children they're autistic and they give you a reason, but you understand the real reason is because if they tell them, it makes it real to them. It of makes course. it real to the parent and the parent and the parent doesn't want to quite, isn't ready to quite come to full terms with it. So they don't want to tell the child. All the time, all the time. And that's why I say it's, it's, it's based on the parents. It's really their readiness and in, in where they are in, in, in their journey. I mean, it really is. And um, you know, I've seen various scenarios and, um, I mean, the scenario that always has, uh, for lack of a better term, you know, such a great positive outcome is parents who are just embracing and, and, you know, Torin, that's what I love. I mean, I, I think I sent you a clip of something, uh, that a parent said, you know, I want parents to, to have a perspective that is positive and to embrace um, that their child sees wonderful patterns that other kids don't see and embrace that their child has all this interesting information about uh, hurricanes that maybe no one's interested in, but, but know that that can lead into your child's career and what they're passionate about. And, and it's okay, right? It's okay. Um, so, you know, that's where my sort of, uh, uh, what I want for parents, because it really makes a difference how parents walk this journey and how their children walk the journey, just like anything else, you know, anything else in terms of, um, you know, what children see and feel is what they take on. Yes, there are differences um, and every person sees things from a different perspective, but in general, uh, I just think it makes a huge difference. So I think that we, we have sort of come to the conclusion that it is of course important that your child be aware that they have been provided with a diagnosis. Um, it's just when is something that you have to decide 
as a parent, um, what's right for your family and your child and, and just uh, your circumstances, because everybody has different circumstances. And I do work with families in uh, various countries, and there are some circumstances where it can be really, really challenging and unsafe. And so for those circumstances, sometimes it's not um, in the best interest at certain times. Uh, but that's my stance, Torin. <laughs> I think one, and I agree with all of that. I think one of the things I want to add is no matter when or how you decide to tell your child, the one of the most important things is you have to basically tell them that while they may have this, which autism, think of autism as a series of intertwining neurological disorders, there's always room for improvement and they need to always be working to be a better version themselves. That doesn't mean they need to be how other neurotypical kids are. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean they need to do things like other neurotypical children do. They always need to be working mm -hmm. to improve themselves and you need to instill that early and often, whether you tell them they're autistic or not, because they're going to need that. I had, I, I had an instance in high school where there was this kid who was, who was sort of the school bully. Mm. And he was just, it wasn't super big, but like he did like mixed martial arts. This is in high school. He did mixed martial arts. He could pretty much kick anybody's ass. And the first time I met him, I had, my social skills were really poor. The only people I hung out with were other autistic people, like the student I mentioned earlier who's incredibly mm -hmm. racist. This kid was Asian. <laughs> so I went up with him and started just cracking really awful Asian jokes, like doing like the squinty eyes and stuff mm -hmm. like that, like really fucked up stuff that I should have known better. And this kid damn near kicked my ass. <laughs> the only thing that saved me is another kid who jumped in and reminded him that I was autistic. Ah. And he sort of took pity on me. But thing about it is, from that moment, I understood, even though I didn't get my ass kicked, that I had messed up because mm -hmm. I was autistic, but that didn't make it okay. Yeah. I apologized to him, of course. Yes. But I, were, I, I had to reevaluate him. Like, maybe I shouldn't just walk up to random people and crack racist jokes. Yeah. Because I already had that mindset. Now, that wasn't instilled in me. It, mm -hmm. I instilled it in myself. Mm -hmm. But it's important to instill in your child that they are still responsible for themselves and their actions and yes. improving themselves and taking yes. every opportunity to improve themselves, be the best version of themselves. Mm-hmm. And that I think is the most important thing to instill, no matter when you tell them, because mm -hmm. you tell them and don't instill that they're just going to see themselves as something broken yeah. and view it as nothing they do is their fault because, well, mm -hmm. they're broken. Yeah. Sparks are flying out of the wires. There's, there's nothing that can be done. They're, they're, they're disabled. That's it. Mm -hmm. And that's a terrible mentality for anybody to have. Yeah. So in my opinion, that's probably the most important thing. Do you have anything else to add? No, I think it's all about um, perspective, positivity, and how it's presented and when it's presented according to your kiddos' individual needs and yours as well as parents, because it makes a difference. This is one good, Torin. This is good. One last thing I'll add before uh -huh. we go is, do you have any particular like general age range that you would suggest? Um, I do think that it's important um for children to know when they're in elementary school like don't wait until junior high um i also think that um you know i typically 
talked to my parents when, when I had my students, uh, you know, we talked about it. Uh, we read books. Now, we didn't say to a three-year-old, hi, Johnny, just want to let you know that you're autistic, right? Like, that's not the conversation. It was more around, um, you know, reading books. I typically tell parents, when parents ask me is when I say, because you're asking me, I guess it's time they're like like it's time to say because apparently there's something going on where you feel like your child needs to know it's no different than the old uh question of when do you tell your babies you know where babies come from well when they say hey mom where do babies come from you answer the question right? uh, obviously yeah don't if they straight up ask you yeah or something similar like it, 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 am i different don't mm -hmm. lie that's the yeah. worst thing you do don't lie mm -hmm. I agree. I would say general age range. If I've gone to my head, I would say eight to 13 mm -hmm. in that ballpark. Mm -hmm. Old enough that they have a conceptualization of self and who they are, but before puberty really kicks their ass, like kicks mm -hmm. everybody's ass, because <laughs> then that's just, that, that's just going to make everything rougher. And my last question is, if they have siblings, mm -hmm. should you also inform the siblings? Yes, 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 and yes. And I will say that I do this as part of my parent coaching because I believe that everyone nice in the family, plug. <laughs> everyone in the family is responsible for supporting um, needs, strategies, facilitating communication, whatever it is that we're trying to accomplish. And um, I do have some really good activities and some fun ways for um, siblings to learn about the fact that their sibling, you know, is autistic in a way that is um, positive and productive and useful, right? Like not just... What would be some of those activities? Um, I have a really good workbook that um, I love, and it's really fun because it explains uh, in a way as from a sibling's perspective, but I also love a couple of really, um, there's a couple of really good YouTube videos that I think are really quick and, and really um, and a great animated way to introduce it in terms of leading to the discussion, right? But what I what I don't do is I don't have my parents say, okay, we're going to sit down and let's, you know, oh, we know we have to just let you know, you know, that Bobby- Break out the tissues, put the tissue on the coffee, yeah. the tissue box on the coffee table. Yes, exactly. And most of the time, you know, it depends on when I start working with my families, but you know, my families, you know, when they start getting to that point, or if they're not already there, where they're just sort of embracing it, and you know, they're okay with saying the A word, most of the time, the siblings just kind of get it organically, or they'll say, you know, uh, you know, why is Bobby going to therapy? Oh, well, Bobby, you know, was diagnosed with autism, he's autistic, and blah, blah, blah. And, and some of the families, because they're so involved in either an organization or, you know, autism um, uh, groups, that it's a conversation that is just organic in terms of it's just part of their life, right? Because it's their life. My kids, you know, I, I uh, had to write this uh, speech for this presentation and my kids don't know anything else, right? I mean, when I would bring my kids uh, to outings and, 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 and drag them to go to um, activities with my families, uh, my kids just didn't know it's, it's all they knew like oh and you know and I remember my it's so funny I tell this story often my my oldest child was two and a half and he said um he was a talker like myself and he said mommy do we know any kids that can talk and I said no let's go come on we're going trick-or-treating <laughs> with that and so he was like okay and then and, you know they would come to my classroom because you know they went to school uh, where I taught um and 
you know, they were accustomed to kids who had different ways of communicating, not just autistic, but, you know, I had, uh, you know, lots of, 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 of disabilities per se as a speech therapist in my classroom. And my kids just don't know any different, right? Even I would babysit. I mean, I would do, you know, like respite for families, not for pay, just because I wanted my families to have a date night. So I'd say we had a rotating calendar and they would just, you know, every Thursday uh, and another kiddo was dropped off and the parents would go out and, and my kids were just, it's just what we did. And so, um, you know, some families, it's that organic uh, way the conversation comes up. It just depends. Um, you know, everybody has a different family dynamic and I think that makes a difference. And what would you do if like a sibling or the autistic child themselves is hearing some bad stereotypes? Like let's say uh, uh, Andrew's, Andrew's little brother, Johnny is autistic. Mm -hmm. And then Andrew's coming home and then you tell Andrew that his brother's autistic and Andrew's like, I told my friend Sally that, that, that Johnny is autistic and Sally's mom said that autism mm -hmm. is caused by vaccines mm -hmm. or Sally's mom said the autistic people are school shooters, mm -hmm. yes. like things like how do you deal with, with that sort of stuff? Cause you know how kids will just repeat yeah, of course, really of course. dumb stuff that they that hear. They hear. Exactly. So I will say that I am a firm believer in just being open and honest communication. So when children, if they come back and say somebody said this or, you know, whatever, say, so you know what, some people say some really ugly mean things. And I'm sorry that you had to hear that. So what do you think about your brother and autism, right? And just start the conversation because, you know, the world can be very ugly and we cannot just hide our children from that. We have to prepare them for it. And, and I will, you know, say thanks to my parents, but my dad had two daughters and he intentionally prepared us for anything and everything so that we could feel safe right within our own selves and and that's important and i appreciate that um because lots of times everything's sugar-coated you know if you if you do this and you you know hang with the right crowd uh, the right crowd is not always the right crowd they may be a right crowd on surface but if you think that you're naive and and everyone's going to be kind and everyone who you know buys you a drink is going to be honest then you're you're raising um you know children who are not prepared <laughs> because the world is not always kind. I'm not saying you have to be paranoid. I'm saying that you have to learn and teach your kids to be cautious, but also to handle that. Sometimes people are just mean. I mean, they just are. Some people are just mean. Um, I remember, uh, it's so funny. I just thought of this story. It popped in my head in terms of my, my oldest child is a rule follower. Uh, and uh, he came, went to pre-K and the first day. And I said, Oh, how was your first day at pre-K? And he said, mommy, some of the children don't follow the rules. And I said, baby, there are a lot of people who don't follow the rules and your mother's one of them. It's better to ask forgiveness and permission. Oh my goodness. It's so funny. And, and, and I know he struggled with that too, that everybody wasn't following the rules. And but we have just had a really good discussion. Um, we may need to put this in two parts because this has been a really, really good, good organic discussion um, based around whether or not um, your child should be told that they are autistic. And um, any final words, Torin, before we close? I do have one more question. Before mm -hmm. we close, and this yeah. is more for an American for an American centric audience. Mm -hmm. Would you, if your child has an IEP, 
Mm-hmm. Would you involve your child in those IEP meetings? And if so, what age? Um, you know, I will say that I encourage parents to involve their child in the IEP decision-making, um, participate in the meeting, maybe 30 minutes, 20 minutes, maybe for part of the meeting, depending on what you know needs to be done in the IEP. Um, I, the youngest kiddo I've had is a seven-year-old and it was at the request of the seven-year-old. Nice. Who, who wanted to be at their own meeting. And, um, but I do think definitely um, before going to middle school, that kids should start prepping, parents should start prepping them for participating in their IEP meeting. Like I said, it doesn't have to be sitting there the whole time, but you know, we're going to bring you in because we'd like your input on this, right? And of course you prep them before, just like right. parents should. We want your input so we can completely ignore it in the final product. <laughs> we're not going to do that. <laughs> We're not going to do that. Miss Stacy's not going to let that happen. Oh, I think we're good. Yes. All right. Well, thanks for those who joined us. And, um, you know, hopefully this helps everyone just start thinking about their plan for telling their child, right? And what that looks like for their, their family dynamic. And um, we're going to finish up here. All right, Torin, thanks. No problem.